to the Grab Lives podcast. I am your co-host, John Vargas, here with Trevor Steppen. And we're going to start off our episode with our disclaimer. Everything we say and do does not reflect the city of Los Angeles Fire Department. And just to start with our endorsements, Buzz Odyssey, this program, uh, you can go on buzzodyssey.com and hit up with them if you want to find out anything about TBI They treat firefighters and veterans, hit them up. It's a tremendous place. You can just um, do so many different things with neurofeedback. Really great um, organization. So um, plug in with them if you can, if you know anybody who's had TBI, who's a firefighter or a veteran. And Treat California has been another agency that we've been wanting to endorse who's been treating firefighters with psychedelics. And I know Long Beach Fire Department, they are fully on board with supporting this program. And it's a treatment facility that really wants to help firefighters uh, get through PTSD and and finding the deeply rooted uh, things with some of these medicines. It's used with a therapeutic sense of using some of these things and they're doing tests with that as well. So it's not just, um, you know, giving someone something and then having them walk out the door. It's not like that. It's a therapeutic setting. And they're also uh, wanting to have signatures. If you can go to their website, treatcalifornia.org to have this on the ballot for 2024. Um, it's a tremendous organization or agency. Um, so today's episode, we are going to uh, talk about anxiety and what that means. There's so many strange uh, things going on with anxiety these days. It seems like most of our calls are revolving around anxiety. Yeah, And it's so prevalent right now in our day and age and now firefighters are having to discover what anxiety means to them and trevor and i have had different relationships with that type of emotion and it's very really interesting to see how it shows up and to me what anxiety is is like uh trying to discover what's a lie and what's the truth with that voice in your head and it can be very interesting to navigate around that. And yeah. the more you make a relationship with yourself, the more you can find your truth and know when you're being told a lie through an intrusive thought or just feeling like you're just out of place with yourself energetically. And the best thing to do is really make a relationship with yourself. So it's funny because I had a, went to the store, dude, the other day, and I saw this shirt. This guy was walking his dog, and it said, your anxiety is lying to you. That's what I thought was really funny. And it's so true, you know, because you could have these thoughts, and it's like, dude, that's not true, you know? And if you feed it, now it becomes something else. Mm. And that's kind of the whole game here is uh, don't feed the lie or don't feed the fear, because I really feel anxiety is like also a symptom of fear, worry, or doubt. And if you're going to go through that place with yourself you have to understand it's just turbulence Mm -hmm. um you know turbulence is just like it is when you're in an airplane you know that the airplane's going to fly through the atmosphere and when it hits turbulence it's just a disturbance in the field and if you're going to live your life and have some type of turbulence uh the best thing to do is to relax and when you're in a turbulent airplane right yeah you don't want to freak out um just sort of strap in your buckle and just sit and I think the more you can do that in, in instances of anxiety episodes or 
hypervigilance, which we're going to get into an understanding of that is to just sit with it yeah. and see what it's teaching you. That was a great breakdown, dude. Thanks, man. I love what you said as far as um, getting to know yourself with it, you know, because I don't know anyone that never experiences anxiety. You know, I had obviously like a, a relationship with it that I wasn't even aware of, you know, for the longest time. It was just how I was. That was like my personality. I felt anxious, you know, and it's interesting. You broke it down like it's an emotion because when you think about it like that, like people are living with it. Like it is a, a primary emotion for a lot of people. Like it changes everything about their lives, you know, because it's hard to turn off mm. and it's, um, you know, by calling it a relationship, it made me think like at certain times it feels like a friend, it feels like a friend, like pointing out something, you know? It's just giving you like a little nudge, like a little warning. But then, like you said, that friend is often a liar. And I've done that so many times. I've stressed about things that just didn't come true. And now that I'm growing older and I'm uh, more conscious of time, I'm more conscious of time as like a, a very valuable asset in my life. I'm more conscious of wasting time. And, and worrying about things that may or may not happen isn't a good use of my energy. And I think when you can break free of it, there's, there's really no turning back. You know, I was so anxious and then I became so not anxious that now when I, when I feel that turbulence, you know, I, I definitely just remind myself I'm going to get through it. I never, ever think that the plane is going to crash. Yeah, and going back to those turbulent moments... Okay, if you feed it with doubt, worry, or fear, just remember those three things because the moment you do that, that's the chance where it starts to feed itself and get bigger and bigger and bigger. So the way I've navigated around it is to trust myself. And that's the key through a lot of the turbulence is to trust. Yeah, And trust is such a strange thing you know if you don't understand trust within yourself um you know it you're gonna have a hard time with turbulence and trust is is just making sure you're having this absolute inner knowing within yourself that everything's gonna be okay and this is not necessarily within like the mind you know it's more so like a a feeling um and that centeredness that really uh starts to grow once you start to begin to work with it and over time, you can adjust, you know, to these things. And it's not like, like we talk about everyone has a different blueprint. Everyone operates differently. So you have to understand who you are in that, in that stake with yourself. And it just takes time, dude. So for me, I think I used to treat my anxiety with alcohol and that hypervigilant state with myself, I, I wanted to have the noise stop. Mm -hmm. So I would drink to have it stop and I'd be able to finally relax. Yeah. Obviously, it's not a great coping mechanism. So you know, later down the road by being sober and sitting with myself, I realized how much noise I had in my head and it just took a long time to shut it down. And I mean, it's just very common for us to drink in our line of work because we wanted to shut it off. And it's so hard even to get to sleep sometimes. People just will be laying in bed and there's just a bunch of noise. It's like, what the fuck, dude? I want to sleep, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for me, that's where I notice hypervigilance is bedtime. 
But, you know, I was going to say, dude, I mean, you don't know how anxious you are until you break free of that relationship, you know, because I always thought that alcohol made me feel less anxious until I quit drinking. And then I realized how much anxiety I had at like my baseline, even with a, like a couple of drinks, like a good buzz. I was still anxious. I was still anxious about saying something stupid, you know, and obviously dude, my relationship with anxiety comes with, um, a pattern of perfectionism. So, you know, that, that feeling of being hyper aware to spot anything threatening, right. But it's not a real threat. It's not a physical threat. It's like a threat to my persona, you know, or if I'm perceived differently than how my persona was trying to be perceived, then that's like somehow threatening to me. And this is, this is all the inner work that I've done on worthiness. Cause like when you bring up trust and trusting yourself, you gotta, you gotta have faith in your ability to perform no matter if you're warned of all these things that may or may not happen, you know? And I think to rely on yourself, you do have to be kind to yourself. You do have to think of yourself highly. Um, Cause like you said, if you're, if you're not, if you don't have trust, then you have the doubt and then you will feed it. And I always think of, if you're gonna use your energy to, to lean into a particular outcome, why would you want to attach to the outcome that you're afraid of? You know, if you're, if, if, if there's a moment to influence it either way by attaching to it or just that loop of what could happen. Now I think I'm playing a part in the sabotage. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, you said once in a podcast that you didn't really feel that much anxiety growing up. It wasn't until your your head injury that opened you up to this um, emotion. Is that true? Yeah, I think um, for me, that heightened more anxiety. Yeah. And I, the, the anxiety I had after my concussion was really intense. I mean, I would be walking to the store and my my hands and feet would be profusely sweating. Mm. And that's when I knew something was wrong. I was like, there's something seriously happening here because I've never felt like this ever. And I would feel like this overwhelming sense of like fear. Yeah. And I'd never dealt with that ever. Um, you know, later down the road, I had discovered that I my sympathetic nervous system was shot. So we had to bring that down uh, with acupuncture and amongst everything else I had done to recover from the injury. And yeah, I did this uh, brain mapping with Bud's Odyssey that I had talked about. And the guy gave me uh, a map of my head and it was supposed to be orange and red and it mm -hmm. was blue. And he's like, dude, you had at least one concussion or multiple concussions. You got some serious work to do. Do you remember what the orange and the red It's uh, just like, a, it's like means that it's in balance. Mm -hmm. And then... On top of that, he said, you have like a 65, 75% chance of having a lot of anxiety. And this is like down the road when I've already worked through all of my concussion anxiety symptoms. Yeah. Um, so I had to kind of split something biologically that's out of balance and then kind of categorize it. Okay, am I feeling emotional that's, that's creating an anxiety response? Um, so I had to switch it up. And I had to discover, you know, okay, this is just biological. You know, I had to kind of see which one's which, which is strange, you know. And then I remember I had like a panic attack one time. And that's when I had seriously, like, I've never felt that in my life. You yeah. know, I would go on, you know, 
thousands of patients with these and panic attacks and anxiety calls. And I would be like, this is bullshit, man. We all have the same response. And when it happened to me, I was like um, in complete panic, you know, and I, my whole body shut down on me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just I remember I was with Haley and she looked at me like, you are okay? And then like, I was like, no. And we were in like a Thai restaurant and I seriously almost had a full blown panic, panic attack there. <laughs> Scary, right? Yeah. And so Haley works with uh, yoga and breath work and, and she's a yoga teacher. So she got me to do certain breath uh, exercises and that's actually what got me to calm down. Um, and so that's one of the key things with um, some of these emotions that could come up that are really strong is breath work and understanding the power of the breath that it can really alter your body and yourself physio- physiologically, psycho- psychologically, emotionally. It brings everything into homeostasis state. And the way I was taught about breath is that it's almost like this cycle of a beginning and an end. Mm. And if you stay within that bubble of the beginning and the end, there's nothing to worry about because it's all in the moment. Yeah, it's all in the present moment. Yeah. I love that. I mean, dude, breath work is so powerful. And, you know, the way that I've understood breath work is like, like you said, how to return to homeostasis or like how to get your body in harmony. Because for the longest time, anxiety, I just feel like I was stuck in my head. And so breathing returns me not only to the present moment, but it returns me to my body. And I can like begin to feel. And dude, some of the ways I've worked through my own anxiety is to move. You know, I always see, when I see people suffering from anxiety, that paralysis is palpable. You can kind of witness it, you know? And I don't know about you, but I've never seen any sort of treatment or intervention on scene of an anxiety attack that, that didn't include changing how you breathe. Mm. So I, I think that people do understand that it feels better. People also are using it as like, um, like a reaction, right? Not like something that, what am I trying to say? Proactive. Mm. Yeah. So that's, you know, I think when, when you feel that harmony though, it, it's kind of a light bulb. And that's what I'm talking about as far as like feeling anxious my entire life and then realizing I could break that relationship. And now whenever it comes up, whether it's from the food I eat or a call that I'm on or, you know, being watched. I mean, there's certain things that, that trigger my anxiety, but now instead of focusing so much on the spectators, which ultimately is, I'm not going to perform my best, right? If I'm, if I'm not in me, if I'm not embodying, um, the task at hand, if I'm off somewhere else trying to think, okay, how does this look or did that sound stupid or whatever that I'm not, I'm not all in on what I'm trying to accomplish. And that was the biggest switch for me is like, if I don't like feeling this way and I can't cure myself every, you know, of it, every time these triggers come up, then how do I return? How do I return to harmony? It's, it's through the breath. Yeah. I mean, you, it took you a while to figure that one out. Oh, it took a, it felt, it felt like a lifetime. Yeah. So you're like, you're having this kind of, uh, you know, building the blocks with what works, what doesn't work. And it's truly amazing when you go to something as simple as breath work to see, okay, why was I trying to figure out and fix something when I could have used this the entire time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's just maturity, right? right? Cause like, when I was younger, I mean, I'm sure someone told me to do breath work, 
you know, but it's, it's amazing how certain things happen in your life. Like I think, um, you know, I look back on when I started to swim and, and you and I found ourselves in the water quite often as a way to like hang out. We would go jump in the bay mm. and have a conversation. And I used to use water as a way to kind of like heal my trauma. Like just kind of, if I was feeling like really um, stricken with grief and just like really burned out and like low frequency, water would always kind of like shock me out of it. And now I see the evolution of my relationship with water and how anxiety came up for me when I first started swimming laps because I, I hadn't ever played another sport where when I was out of breath, I would, I would put my face in the water. Just even that is like so counterintuitive. And so when I learned how to control my breathing, it made me think, well, fuck, I've been like doing more pull-ups, you know, or I've been, I've been working out my legs. I've been trying to like strengthen all of these things that never made me a better swimmer. What really made me a better swimmer was how my ability to learn how to relax and learn how to breathe properly in the water. So you're absolutely right. It's such a simple technique and people don't often, I think people don't often trust themselves to work through something like that. I mean, we see it, right? Yeah. People with panic attacks. I mean, they're, they're very quick to call 911 or, um, you know, if you get linked up to a, a psychiatrist, then you're very quick to, to turn to them. Um, but to take that power into your own hands and, and, and use breath work to kind of, you know, get yourself back into that harmony. It's, it's too easy not to do it. Yeah. I mean, you have the tool that's available to you. I would say that everyone should be doing breath work and if they can have a breath work practice, that means you're doing certain breath work practices to where, let's say you're going to go do like, um, Wim Hof exercise. I've started doing that this Dude, week. If you ever try a Wim Hof exercise breathing technique, it is really tremendous, and he he takes uh, pranayama breathwork and instills it into this this sequence of what he has made his own breathwork technique. Yeah, and he uses it for people who to go into cold plunging because he's literally pumping their their body to where they're increasing their heat in their body. Mm. So the pranayama breathing technique that he does, he's just pumping your system with life force energy. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about that later, but um, I really wanted to go into what you were talking about earlier about unworthiness. Yeah. And to your point with unworthiness is that you have to understand the opposite of unworthiness and it's willpower. Mm. And willpower is your ability to find, and it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm powerful. I can you know, lift, you know, I can, I can bench press this amount of weight. Your willpower can show up in so many different ways. It can show up in the way you are with your partner and how you love, how you have gratitude, and how you show up for others. It doesn't have to show up in necessarily in a, 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 a like a masculine macho way. Yeah. So your willpower has this. Um, it's a very fabulous way to empower yourself and feel good in your body with who you are, and it's almost like this identity with yourself. And a lot of times with, um, I would say, like inner child work, people find out their willpower was taken from them at a moment in their life, and they have to rediscover what that meant. Hmm. And the, a lot of the inner child work is about discovering the willpower and re-identifying re, re, re what that meant to them in that moment. 
And it could be as simple as like a ball being taken from them from them inside of a, a playground. Or it could be a moment when their their dad yelled at them and told them they were a piece of shit. And or it could be a lot of the same, you know, verbal abuse that they had received. Yeah. And um, it could be a lot of emotional neglect, you know. So a lot of these things correlate to uh, pieces of this, you know, thing we call anxiety, which is a misnomer. There's so many pieces to it that we don't really understand. Each person has to discover that themselves. Yeah. So I, I love what you said about willpower because, dude, it, it resonated very deeply with me just in in my personal life right now. Like, it requires willpower to take care of a baby. You know, there's so many times I'll lie down. And be like, I really hope he sleeps so I can sleep. And then if he starts crying, you know, just having that like commitment and the commitment to making good choices. So are you saying that willpower is like the discipline? Do you, do you think those are synonymous willpower and discipline? I think it's more like confidence and trust with yourself. Gotcha. And like your identity. Yeah. Cause when I hear willpower, I think of like resilient or not going to quit. So Willpower, you're saying, is the opposite of unworthiness. Yes. Okay. It's it's a, an aversion to, or it's a version of the opposite, because you want to find, you're always trying to find a balance, right, in the yeah. center. And so, if you have one thing that's that's out of balance, you want to find the thing that's in balance. And being in balance is is harnessing your willpower. Yeah. And whatever that means to you, there's no like exact uh, category of what that is. You know, like I had said, it could mean anything, and it's just understanding that peace for you it's kind of like love you know it's like love is not necessarily like one thing you know what i mean it, it's many pieces to it yeah so absolutely no i i and i dig what you're saying john because you you've helped me before um find balance through opposites right remember i mean i've been pretty vocal about my issues with anger and you helped me by finding compassion so i think those are helpful because when you're triggered like, let's say you're feeling anxious. Well, ask yourself, are you identifying as unworthy right now? Or are you dialing into your, your willpower? You know, because I, I've found that once I, I broke free of just having constant anxiety, when it would pop up, I would, I would say like, hey, where are you at right now? Are you in your head? Are you imagining all the shit that you don't want to happen? Or are you in your heart? Are you choosing yourself? Are you going to have your back no matter what? No matter the outcome? And obviously those crossroads are important. So I love any little simple tool that allows someone to like kind of lock in to how they want to feel, right? So if you find yourself in that moment of feeling anxious, having those two, those two opposites can kind of swing you in the right direction. Yeah, and you're, you're using that piece of you to kind of be like your motivator. You know, yeah. like your ego is not necessarily a bad piece of you. It could also be your greatest friend and ally. And if it's your motivator and you use that piece of you for that reason, then it could really uh, benefit you in like so many different ways in your life. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I used to, when I was going to paramedic school, you know, I, I think I made like $35,000 that year sleeping on my grandma's floor. <laughs> and I would drive an hour away to school and I would work full time. And I, had, I needed that piece of me to empower me. And that, motivator was like a friend you know and i began to realize like oh shit like i need to motivate myself and empower myself to do this because yeah. no one else is going to do it if i don't do it right and you know a lot of sacrifices came with it and at the same time you know my goal was to finish and that whole piece of that willpower empowerment is like 
making it your like uh, a piece in your medicine bag or a piece in your in your corner that you can go to when you need it yeah i love it i mean dude my my sister actually was like um the first person that kind of broke down something for me to like cure my anxiety and she was like what's the worst that can happen and i i would talk it out with her and she'd be like well can you deal with that and i'd be like yeah i guess i can you know so like there's definitely been an evolution for me as far as um like understanding the relationship with anxiety and i think these little tools are helpful and you know obviously like I don't know if everyone feels anxiety the same way, right? Like I, I doubt people, I mean, people with normal guts, I don't think they feel uh, anxious about food the way that I do, you know? Like there's a lot of guys at the station that like, it doesn't matter what's on the menu, like they're digging in, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it's just funny to think like, you know, when you start taking control back and realizing like, okay i can make a choice right now to kind of feed it or to to find that balance again yeah dude i can go back to the idea so like when we talk to you about anger right rage is a symptom of anger so mm -hmm. i really believe that anxiety is a symptom of fear yes and being in fear it means you're unsafe so if you can break that down for yourself and understand, okay, what are you not feeling safe with right now? Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Apocalypto. Oh, I love that movie. So at the beginning of the movie, it starts with, um, you know, their whole tribe gets basically desecrated and their, their, their women and children are being imprisoned and killed and raped. And there's a part, there was a part of the movie where the, the, the father talks to his son and he says, don't let the disease enter your system. I'm paraphrasing this, but yeah. and the son looks at him like, what, what do you mean? He said, fear is the disease. And I just remember that moment of that movie. And he looked at him like with just kind of like, a, like he understood what he was saying, yeah. but he also didn't want that to enter his tribe. You know, it was really powerful. And so the feeling of being unsafe in your body, for me, that's what causes my own anxiety. When I have a physical symptom that flares up or presents itself. Oh, big time. I mean, I start feeling anxious if I if I feel like I'm getting sick, you know? And then I, I try to ask myself, okay, is this pain or is this fear, right? Because like, I'm not feeling anxious because my throat is sore. I'm feeling anxious at the thought of, okay, my throat is sore right now and it's probably gonna turn into strep. Dude, that's such an intrusive thought. But it, I do that shit to me all, myself all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I always, like, what did it happen the other day? Something happened, like, oh, I had, like, a fly buzzing around my ear in the middle of the night. And I, 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 I hit it. I swapped it away. And I, I had this feeling of an intrusive thought coming through, like, that the fly was going to enter inside my ear canal and then go into my brain. And then I was going to die of some type of, like, infection <laughs> in my brain. This is where my mind thinks. And I was like, wow, what an intrusive thought, you yeah. know? Um, but it's just a lie. And that's why you go back to that t-shirt. Your anxiety is lying to you. Yeah. It's not the truth. So make a, a definitive relationship with, okay, what is the lie? And then what is the truth? Yeah. And sit with it sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to just sit with your thoughts. That's why meditation is so powerful because it gives you a moment to be with yourself right? and to watch yourself. And if you kind of look at it with a bit more of like, 
humor and to realize how crazy your mind can be yes it's kind of funny it is i love that you said that because i i've experienced the same thing when i started witnessing intrusive thoughts or just how wildly imaginative my ego can be it did make me laugh and it's sort of like whoa what's going on today like where where are you at dude and that would inspire like a certain check-in that i would have with myself but um yeah i mean it's one of those things like we're, we're basically trying to educate on the ability to sit in discomfort. I mean, a lot of our episodes have been about that, you know, and it's so funny to think that we're, you know, a lot of us are calm, cool and collected like all the time. Right. But have you ever heard like about like a duck on the pond, like the feet underneath are going nuts. Right. I, I forget if it's like a specific expression, but I love that visual of like a duck on a pond, like everything above the surface is looking calm and cool and everything below is, is like wildly erratic. Right. And I always think of first responders because you know, that spin factor, like I've, I've worked for so many amazing captains and none of them spun, but I've seen guys that spin on scene and you think, well, fuck you. You're not communicating as well as you could. You know, like your barking orders, you're, you're, you're not coming up with a clear plan, you know, like you have different objectives, you're, you're mixed up, you're spinning. Mm. Right. And so I've never wanted to, um, just never wanted to feel that way, you know? Yeah. I think when we see a clear example of someone who cannot be in a centered, centered, poised place on a serious incident, you're like, I don't know what's going on. You know, he, you kind of have to bring it up to that person or it's going to come up by the, the supervisor at some point because we are built to be in that place to handle a serious situation and think and problem solve in those moments. And that kind of leads into an understanding of, uh, you know, hypervigilance. We're built and wired that way to solve a problem and to bring that home with you, your, your home is not built, it's not supposed to be built that way. Right. And so we want to talk about the transitioning from the idea of hypervigilance and understanding what that means. And I was telling you that I was going to the peer support group conference. They talked a lot about hypervigilance. Mm. And hypervigilance is actually a symptom of schizophrenia. Really? And Yeah. So it's a very, very common thing for them because they have a lot of paranoia. And our essence of hypervigilance is not paranoia, but it's problem solving everything in the room. You're looking around for the exit. You're looking around at the building. What type of building construction is this? We're wired like this because we're taught how to survive on an incident. Yeah. But you can't act like that all the time. If your mind is constantly running, you can't just be calm or relaxed. Right. You know, I had to be taught how to come home and just chill out. Dude, who taught you? My girlfriend. Yeah, same, dude. I mean, <laughs> Leah's my fiance, but same. Right. You know, like, that's so funny. Because, dude, for the longest time, like, the first uh, four years of my career, like, I was hooked on being hypervigilant. I didn't want to turn it off. I thought it was amazing that I could drink a whole bottle of booze and not even appear drunk. <laughs> so I had to educate myself on the bliss of the flip side, you know? And that's like, I didn't even know I was anxious until I stopped being anxious. Just like, I didn't know how good it felt to take a nap in the morning until I had someone encouraging me to do so. So, I mean, it's just, it's an interesting career because you're absolutely right. There are certain things that make us great. You need us, you know? You want that guy or that girl that doesn't spin. Um, but it's so funny you said schizophrenia too because recently, you know, Gus, he'll go down for like an hour 
in the day and I'll, I'll jump up and try to get like three hours of work done. Right. So I'm like, look at me, I'm so productive. But if I, if I like take, uh, you know, some space and like zoom out, I'm like, I look like a fucking meth head, dude. I'm running around my living room. I'm like cleaning in a hurry, you know, and I'm, I'm just like <laughs> way too hypervigilant and yeah, it's just, it's wild. Once you get some space and you kind of look at like, okay, yeah, I'm productive, but I'm high functioning anxiety, Yeah, you know? And, and, and this is, these are the things that I was totally offered earlier in my life, dude. I could have started meditating. I could have started swimming laps. The other night I went on a Friday night at 9 PM to LA fitness. And I said to myself, I wish in my twenties, I thought this was cool to do on a Friday night to be by myself doing a passion you know, uh, doing a hobby. I love something that centers me and, and builds me up, you know, physically, but also mentally and energetically. And so, yeah, I mean, that stillness, I don't know, is it attractive to young members? You know, mm. like, like I, I know guys that love working sod, you know, yeah. and they love being at busy assignments. I know guys that shouldn't still be at a busy assignment that are at a busy assignment. <laughs> Right. And every guy I'd known that got a divorce, or sorry, <laughs> didn't get a divorce. Every guy I know that switched from a busy assignment to a slower assignment improved dramatically. Is his marriage, his relationship with his kids, his relationship with his self. You know, so it's interesting to look at the arc of a career and realize, like, okay, in the beginning, you fucking want that, dude. We want guys that want to run calls, dude. Yeah. I don't want to work in South LA anymore. I'm glad that there's certain guys that sign up for that. They want to do it. And at some point, I matured into someone who realized he couldn't redline forever, right? And I didn't want to be that dude that had to drink two glasses of whiskey in order to stop moving. Mm. That was literally my existence. It's like I would come home after being at work for three days straight. And in order to stop moving, I had to drink, you know? And now when I feel that anxiety come up from a million different places, you know, it's my breath that I'll use to to transition from ego to witness you know we don't have to react we don't have to react to this we don't have to you know come up with solutions to all these fictitious problems hmm. we can just find our breath laugh at these intrusive thoughts and and work through it you know because i always tell rookies like hey if you're gonna worry allow it to inspire preparation because if you're worrying about something next shift and you're not preparing for this drill let's say the drill is making you nervous and all you're going to do is sit here and worry and sit in paralysis well then we have a bigger problem than the drill because like we said we we have to have members that know how to act even when they're feeling anxious i mean there's certain times i'll feel my heart rate kind of get jacked up on the way to a call and i'm like this is strange because i'm not i don't feel anxious like i'm actually like i feel very capable going into this incident but then i'll look at okay well i just jumped out of bed I just got dressed in the dark, you know, I, I'm behind the wheel <laughs> late at night. I'm running reds and the sirens are on. I'm like, could that be causing some sort of like physiological, like fight or flight? Of course, you know, so there's a lot of triggers for us. And so if you're not learning how to manage your anxiety in this career, we got to begin to look at it, right? Cause it's just, we spend at least a third of our lives doing this in this environment right you're even if you're the most conscious person even if you're super well balanced it's going to bleed over you're going to bring that home and that's why that uh bo's famous line of don't ruin your 40 in the 15 minutes struck 
so much depth than a lot of members because yeah. we all feel that For we sure. all resonate with that and it's difficult but acknowledging that we are this way acknowledging that it does make us awesome we're, we're just such a, a great part of society we we're very useful but also knowing that we need to be useful to it in a different way to our families you know yeah i mean so it's a courageous job you know, Absolutely. I, I think uh, kind of, I don't want to butcher Winston Churchill's quote, but I remember his, his famous quote is like, act, courage is acting in despite fear. Yeah. And being in the kind moment. Kind of doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do. Yeah. You know, when you are getting all your stuff on in the middle of the night and you're driving to this huge behemoth of a fire, you're like, you're doing it, you know? Yes. And, and I want to say, that, not to cut you off, but you just inspired something that you're... Wait, say that, say that last part again. I'm sorry. I'm so tired tonight. Dude. <laughs> that last part, it got, it got me so excited. The, um, oh, I just fucked that up. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> it's all good, dude. I was like, really like choosing. There's something that came up. I'll, hopefully I'll find it again. Well, it's like when you're showing up at this huge behemoth of a fire with all your shit on the middle of the night, like you're, first of all, you're half asleep. And then you're at the same time, you're like shitting bricks because you got to do this job. You know, as a rookie, that's what you feel like. Yes. As time progresses, you're like, God damn it, dude, I got to do this again. It's more so like that, but not in a, and not in a sense where it's like, uh, you know, hating that you have to do this job. It's more so like you're half asleep. You know what I mean? Now you got to really do your job. And usually the members later down the road in their career, they do it really, really well. And I just remember... Uh, when I was a rookie, I, I saw kind of this overweight guy who had a lot of time on mm. and dude, he moved faster than I did. He yeah. got everything done before I even got my shit on. And I was and like, less dude, moves. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, this this poise is just a lot of it is muscle memory on top of the, the training we do. And by the same token, you are just having this relaxation and being a move within like this, um, I don't know, this like this per, I don't know, just like the perfect way of just doing it i don't know how to yeah. describe it no no it came, it came back to me okay so you brought up two cures for anxiety one is knowing what to do okay so a lot of people always ask me like that seems like a fucking crazy job like do you ever get scared and it's like no most of the time i know what to do so i feel less anxious now the second cure is not knowing what to do but doing it doing something and that's an amazing privilege that we have right because like the paralysis is real you know so i'm sure there's incidents where if we you know if we had more time to kind of like center ourselves and that's what i try to remind myself right is there's like a lot of times i'll just rush in because i'm like well i don't i might not know exactly what to do but i'm going to try something and i just i know that that's a luxury for us you know we get to break stuff. <laughs> we get to, you know, we get to prioritize life and property. And, um, you know, it's just, it's an amazing career. Lately, I've been really centered in gratitude. Just thinking about like, yeah, it's triggering. We have to get up and we don't really sleep. And yeah, we see horrible shit. I mean, like the other night, I thought it was so funny. I was going to bed at like midnight after a stabbing. And it kind of like the visuals of the call kind of came into my head. And instead of being like, victimized and like sort of like oh that sucks that i have to see this before bed i thought how how great is this like how how useful am i like we just saved that guy so anyways lately i've been feeling really grateful for this career and i think that it does it does establish really 
really solid fundamentals in dealing with life. It's just such an exaggerated arena, you know, like I know people that have normal jobs that have interpersonal conflicts, you know, and they probably have to go through certain channels and like email or like talk shit at the water cooler or whatever. And like, we're just such in like in a space to act, you know, um, you know, whether it's our communication with each other and our crew, um, or whether it's establishing trust, which is at the heart of what we're talking about is curing ourselves of anxiety by building trust with others and with ourselves and just the ability to act. And that's like, like I said, in the initially, like if you're going in for a fucking job interview and you have a minute to like go do five pushups, it's going to prepare you better for the interview than like wondering what questions they're going to ask. Yeah. I mean, I love how you transitioning out of a mentality of being a victim to something, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep after a serious call and that's normal to lay in bed and like have the call kind of running through your mind at the same time, you know? And, but you made a choice to change that perspective. And a lot of this really is laid upon the the choices we make. Yes. And you can choose to feed the anxiety. You can choose to feed the fear. And that is ultimately a choice that you have chosen. And through this process of elimination to decide, hey, at some point, I don't like feeling like this. You can change it. And that's the the power of that. And going into the empowerment of yourself to make those choices is just really um, transformational. Yeah. And the more you can focus on yourself and decide, hey, I'm going to change my diet. You know, I'm going to change the way I go to sleep. I'm going to change my practices. And I was forced into making myself do some certain practices because I was tired of suffering yeah. so much. Yeah. Same. So a lot of times, you know, I don't consider myself having this ultimate poise with myself, but I see myself using certain things. And in the end, I'm helping other people by hey, be like, Hey, you know, you can come into uh, balance and you can kind of empty your mind with this, you know, let's say breath work mm-hmm. or whatever. And the hypervigilance, you know, that just seems to be this epidemic that's going on. And we didn't even realize that, we didn't realize this was like just hardwiring our nervous system. Right. And if you can kind of picture like the way hypervigilance works to me, the way I kind of saw it was like, you know, if you're in the kitchen and you plug in the air fryer, you plug in the microwave all in the same outlet and one of them shuts off and it it trips a breaker. Mm. Okay. You're burning out that entire wiring of that system. Dude, that's a great visual. (laughs) It resonated with me because I experienced the shutdown. Right. I, dude, I'm like so good, so good, so good until I'm not good. And then I'll shut down. That's exactly how I do it. I, I would I, shut down for a long fucking time, dude. I would just sit in my room for two days. That's yeah. what I used to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> this baby is kicking my ass. Dude. <laughs> I've been on a one on one off type schedule for a few weeks now. And, um, anyways, I, I like that you don't require yourself to always have that poise. You're choosing yourself, you know, and that's, that's what I've done when I, when I choose to live in my heart, I'm not saying that I'm going into this, uh, situation anxiety free. Um, it's more so I won't react with anxiety because I'll always choose myself. And so I think for the longest time, I just didn't choose myself and, um, man, it's really powerful what you talk about with the choice. Mm. 
And, and that's fucking hard to hear. Just like if you told an addict, you know, Hey dude, this, you're ruining your own fucking life. Like if you, <laughs> if you choose to get healthy, like there, there, there are resources yeah. here, right? It really puts someone on the spot. And honestly, dude, I don't live with a lot of regret, but I would say my biggest regret in my lifetime is looking back on my life and wishing I had been in less fear, wishing that I had had less anxiety wishing that I had enjoyed it more, you know, and that's, that's really powerful. And that's like, that's what I mean. As soon as, as soon as you're liberated from this lifestyle of, of constantly being hypervigilant, constantly, like you said, just keep plugging things into that outlet. Um, you're always, you're always going to choose. I think yourself more like I, I choose myself more often now. Um, I used to care so much what other people thought. And now that's, that's the liberation from, from that anxiety is knowing that I have this much energy that I can devote to either fear or love, mm. you know, and that love for yourself comes with all these practices we're talking about, dude, a clean diet. Like when you choose to eat clean and you feel amazing afterwards, dude, it's like such an act of self-love. Yeah. Just like I've been doing Wim Hof this whole week. And I set it up in that office that we, you know, recently vacated and I put down those mats and I, I just set up a nice little sanctuary for myself to really like dial in. Cause I used to do breath work to fall asleep and now I'm doing breath work to like wake up. Cause I mean, I get to work tired every single day and it's just, um, it's such an act of, all right, motherfucker, let's do this. You know, I love you. I'm learning how to, to, to create this harmony. And I'm building a relationship of trust. No matter what happens today, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to have your back. And we're going to proceed with love. And that's just like, there's no going back for me. I'll never, and even, dude, we were talking before we started recording. Now I, I have a little trouble with people who are experiencing anxiety. Like I want them to choose this route. But I have to be patient because that choice needs to be made by that person. But I, it's like I... I hated living with anxiety. And so now when I, when I witness it, it's almost like there's resistance. I don't, I don't want to jump in and feel too much empathy. Cause like, I won't join in that fear. Mm. It's just not a, it's not a um, frequency that I like to attach to now. So when you're doing um, Wim Hof and that breathing exercise yeah. uh, at the end of it, do your hands feel super tingly? No. Really? And I think they, so I tried Wim Hof over a year ago and I had almost a panic attack in the bathtub hmm. and it, it just inspired so much like that, like what you're describing. Yeah. So I think after a year of swimming, I really understand my breath because in the beginning when I first started swimming, just even the thought of doing a flip turn, I was like, I don't know if I have enough air in my lungs. And now I know that I can extend my exhale for a lot longer. And I love Wim Hof. Yeah. You know, he was just on um, Man Talks with Connor Beaton. And Wim Hof is a character. Like, he's selling something and I'm buying it. Like, I want to be that excited about life. And so when he's in the recording, when he's talking about, like, um, it's time to see what your body can truly do. You know, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I get fired up. And I think that's a healthy relationship with anxiety is you start to feel like the tingling or, and you, and you work through it. Yeah. So when that comes up, so I've done 
different uh, variations of the Wim Hof. I've done it like, you can do like what, five cycles, 10, you can do as many cycles yeah. as you want. And after I'm done, I usually feel like my body, my whole body is vibrating and tingling. And so what that is, is you're accessing your own life force energy. And so I can kind of go into a better description. Um, but so for instance, when I went to my acupuncturist, I was telling her, Hey, um, I have really like uh, super hyper aware all the time. And she's, she's Korean. So she doesn't speak really great English. So I was trying to explain to her hypervigilance. Yeah. And so I had worked like a bunch of days in a row. Um, but I explained to her, Hey, I'm, I'm hyper aware. And she's like, oh, okay, you're, you're too alert. And I said, yes, exactly. So she was able to balance me out mm. to where I wasn't like that. After I left that table, I went home and slept so good. Nice. Uh, so she was able to balance my system out with acupuncture with that, my life force energy. Yeah. So going back to what that is, within your system, there's a channel. Think about it as a pipeline. And you have this pipeline of energy, and they call it your life force energy in traditional Chinese medicine. And if you're able to understand that piece of you and you make a relationship with that with certain practices like breath work, you can feel your own frequency. Now you're understanding what's yours. Mm. And you're talking about when you're around a rookie or someone else at the station who has anxiety, it's palpable after that. Oh, it is. Because now you've made a relationship with your own frequency. You understand what's yours and what's not. So yeah. I, I know one of our members, he just came up to me and he's super anxious. He's just an anxious guy. And I was working out and he stood next to me and I was like, dude, in my own head, I was like, he is so anxious. I can, I know, feel, you can it. feel it. It doesn't feel good. And it wasn't mine, but I've made a relationship with what is my frequency. Yes. And so I know what's mine, what's not. So sometimes I'll be, let's say if I'm in like a, a big group of people, and especially if I'm on a call and I'm treating someone, I could feel their energy, but I know, and it's palpable. So I can recognize that in yeah. a way. And that comes with understanding yourself and you make this like decision to not also feed it and not let it come into your field. And this may be super strange for people to understand, but work with it. If you work with things like breath work and you start feeling that tingling sensation, you start understanding what, what is yours. Yeah. And, and there's so much that goes into life force energy um, <laughs> that I, I'm still really uh, understanding what that is. Um, but when you know, people talk about grounding as well. Think about your life force energy as like an electric circuit. So if you don't have a ground, it's not going anywhere. So you could have a short circuit somewhere in your system. That's why some people have chronic pain or they have certain physical ailments in their body because they're not grounding their, their circuitry of their life force into the ground. Yeah. And this makes sense, right? If we're, we, we work with a lot of electricity and you know you have to have a ground of some sort and the same, we're built the same exact way with an electrical system in our bodies. Mm. So, this is a, hope, hopefully this is a good introduction and understanding that we are we have an electrical system of our of how we operate energetically. And if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling um, like you're ungrounded, these certain things they make sense if you understand that we're built and wired like this, or if you're. Just like the same concept with you know overpowering a circuit and everything, something shuts off. You, yeah. trip a, you trip a breaker. Same thing. Start being conscious of are people filling you up or are people draining you? Because I think everyone can relate to the fact of like you know there's certain captains that they really you know fill me up with good energy, and then there's other captains that really drain me. You know, um, and so I think that's a good way of you know because I've always felt 
other people's energy, not just like anxious humans, but I can feel kindness. I can feel evil. Like I've just always been very um, empathic that way. But I think the concept of life force um, came up for me in the context of sex. Mm. So I read um, The Way of the Superior Man. And he talked about how when you ejaculate, it's not just a, a liquid substance. It's it's your life force, right. you know. And a lot of so a lot of myself included, a lot of men resonate with that because it helps. I know that it's helped cure people of porn addictions because you start valuing yourself, right? And a lot of people have this like strange relationship with porn that's like it's a rush of euphoria, then it's followed with shame, mm. and. So for me, though, like the way that I kind of kicked that habit was I started to value my life force. And I started to think, well, I, I have this like sacred union with a partner and like this insane, you know, intimacy. Am I going to use my life force for this like, you know, hobby or am I going to use this life force for like building my home? And that like really helped put it in the context of, you know, I wasn't exactly thinking of my chakras. I was just thinking of like my my essence, you know, who I am. And I think that's really powerful because I meet so many guys and I really, my heart goes out to them because, you know, I ask them like, what are they doing for themselves? And they're like, not much, you know, because I, I work and then I have a wife and I have kids and I have a dog, you know, I have responsibilities, but you have to value your life force and you have to find a way to recharge it. You know, and that's the power of water for me. Like, you know, I don't do cold plunges all the time. You have a tank and that's awesome, but I do cold showers. That's like my, my regular ritual. Um, and I just think that that value keeps your, keeps your eye on the peripheral. Like, okay, if I'm not, if I'm not filling my cup, this, I'm going to shut down. This breaker is going to switch, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just I just love trying to inspire people to like to build that relationship with themselves. Cause like I'll speak from the heart right now. Like my my whole thing right now, my pattern is like I'm educating myself constantly, but in the moment, sometimes I'll choose a behavior I'm not very proud of. And then like 30 minutes later, it'll click that thing that I read or that thing that I heard that would have been perfect, <laughs> you know, for that opportunity. And that's that's the relationship that I'm building for myself right now is how to not react, how to reflect and then move on. So I think if there's a takeaway from this episode, it's that of course we have anxiety, you know, anxiety is a friend or, you know, a um, survival instinct, right? It's meant to help. But if we attach to it, if we feed that fear, it's no longer a friend. It's an enemy. Right? So well said, dude. And I, I'm so glad you brought up that part of the life force energy. And a lot of people don't understand that. And there's also energy vampires out there. I want you to, oh, what you're talking God, about dude. too is like you fill people with certain people energy, I right? can't even talk to. <laughs> and it's, it's cool to understand, you know, that family member or that friend who just sucks the life out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're energy vampires. So here's a, here, put this in the context. How does this make you feel? Okay. The number that you see pop on your phone and you feel dread. <laughs> okay. I heard that recently and I was like, fuck, that's. That's a few people, yeah. you know, for me. So, I, I mean, there is a there is something I did later in my life where I started cutting those people out of my life. Yeah, And same. I would have conversations with them about, hey, these are my boundaries and these are the things I value now. 
And if they didn't like or accept what I had to say, that was my moment to cut them out. Mm. And some really good friends of mine had to had to leave because they weren't supporting me and my lifestyle now. And you know, sometimes that that sucks. You know, but that also is their choice as well to not follow the, the, your lifestyle and the way you want to live your life. And uh, you know, going back to the life force energy piece and honoring your partner with that. Um, there's a bit of self-discipline with it and that self-discipline has a lot of um, uh, admiration for yourself mm. and your partner too. There is a, there's a sacredness that comes right. together with that. And I really want to honor people who do that because you feel a difference when you do save your life force energy for your partner. Oh yeah. Have you ever heard the enemy of good is, sorry, I am so jacked up tonight. The enemy of great is good good is the enemy of great let's go with that one good <laughs> is the enemy of great now that we have video we can like edit out all the dumb shit i say right i don't know maybe <laughs> good is the enemy of great so in that context jerking off to your phone is probably it's it's good pretty good but saving that life force for your partner and channeling that as a gift to building something not of this world, you know, that for me, that's great. I mean, we're not ever taught any of this stuff. No, you know what I mean? No. And I, I think as a child, I was never really ever had this sit down discussion about how to understand sex. Yeah. And I think you and I had talked about that before. Like I learned through porn as a child Same. or as a kid, you know what I mean? Going through puberty and yeah. that's not the best way to learn you know what i mean no it taught me a lot of shit that i've had to unlearn exactly yeah. and so i think the even with the whole spectrum of toxic mas masculinity people talk about these days uh it's just a uh, poor education in my my opinion and when you have poor education you have a lot of poor poor fundamentals and you know i had to rediscover my relationship with sex yeah. and rediscover uh my relationship with uh, understanding arousal and understanding these certain pieces that had to under kind of correlate to communication and also being transparent with that mm. and letting go of shame with you know being transparent and it's hard to do that and that's what builds relationships as you grow yes and it takes a lot of guts to get in that place a little bit of vulnerability and once you understand that there's nothing to be afraid of because that can be an anxious thing being in the bedroom Oh, big time. And I think a lot of men have this relationship with shame in the bedroom that they don't want to ever talk about. Yeah. And I think even with our field of work, we have these ups and downs with low testosterone that can ebb and flow because of our cortisol levels going up when we don't have any sleep. And that goes back to this relationship with your life force. Like if you feel like you're just at a dump, you know, just understand where you're at and be transparent with your partner <laughs> about this. You Dude, know what I mean? How many of our listeners who are first responders felt that and pushed through it? Speaking of hypervigilance, I've done that so many times where I should take a nap or I should fall asleep. Someone wants to hang out or go, I have a date or what, you know, whatever. And I push through and it has an unfavorable outcome. And every time I'm like, why the fuck didn't you set a boundary and protect yourself? Why didn't you protect your life force? And that's where I'm at right now is like, I don't want to give up my flow. I love my flow yeah. so much. That's why when anxiety pops up, I'm like, oh, okay, good to see you. Let's learn something from that. But I, you're absolutely right. So when you 
put it in the context of a relationship, being vulnerable and having trust, realizing there was nothing to be afraid of in the first place. You can obtain that relationship with yourself. And that's where the real magic happens for me. It's like understanding that even in these experiences, like there's no such thing as failure. The only failure is not learning the lesson. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, when you, when you get on a path of improvement, no one, you know, you're you're not going to be a stranger to criticism. And I think that's where, like when you, when you bring up energy vampires, there's going to be people that are inspired by your deep work. And there's going to be people that are threatened by your Mm -hmm. deep work and just know, who to give your energy to that's and and it's so fun having these conversations john because as exhausted as i am i love when we pull things like you know full circle yeah and that we're talking about worthiness you know yeah. it, like introducing the concept of life force circles back to worthiness yeah and so i think you know it's one of those things that it's all work you know and you can either work at learning to come out of that hypervigilance you know you can either like i always think of things in terms right now of like parenting so i say this a lot at home i'd rather prepare a child than repair an adult Mm. and so if you if you do have a relationship with anxiety and you're sick of feeling that way because i think that's that's a really strong motivator in at least my personal experience with choice is deciding i'm sick of feeling this way yeah. And understanding I can do something about it. That that empowerment, that that valuing yourself, that ability to be just a witness to your intrusive thoughts instead of labeling things, you know, your ability to find it and feel it in your body without letting it take hold of you and become some sort of like paralysis. This is when life gets fun, realizing that these challenges are never gonna end. Anxiety, I'll probably deal with that off and on the rest of my life, but I can learn how to play the game. I can learn how to trust myself. I can put time and energy into the relationship that really matters. Yeah, I think uh, over a period of time, the goal is to have all these things become effortless. Yeah, and that's what it, when you see a true master at what he does, he or she, they're effortless at what they do, and that's the key here: is to work with these things, understand them, and realize that these things have been used for thousands of years. You know, understanding these different practices. Yeah. And as you work with them, you're able to gain a deeper relationship with yourself so you don't get burnt out, you don't blow a fuse, and you're able to now find homeostasis within the mind. Yes. And there's this, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out. It's like a Disney Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. We went through a Pixar phase and we for sure watched it. (laughs) It's 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 got like the four characters that represent different emotions. Right. So it's brilliant the way they made this movie. Really good movie. It's that each character represents an emotion. Yeah. And they're making that inside out too. And now the new character that they're they're bringing in is called Anxiety. No fucking (laughs) way. And the character has like a big head with like (laughs) crazy hair. Yeah. And it's just really hilarious. But uh, in the trailer, um, it seems as if like it's it's a group of them, so it's mm. a bunch of little minions of that character. So it's it's pretty funny. But um, just kind of wrap this up. Uh, I think with anxiety, understanding that it is lying to you and it's not the truth, and but it's also showing you something. Yes. At the same time, so if you could see it like that and don't get dis disregarded by your truest self then you can really lead your life and your truth. And that takes a lot of guts. And people will recognize that in you as you begin to make that decision with yourself to, hey, 
I'm going to really um, not listen to that voice. You know, I'm going to um, really follow my path with my truth. And it just takes time. It's not like it happens overnight, you know. And as we work through our job, which is very high stress, you know, and understanding hypervigilance, how it's just going to fire up your nervous system and understanding how to work with that. That's what we're at. That's where we're at right now with uh, this is a piece of behavioral health. And all of us deal with it. And in the end, um, there's just so many other pieces to it, you know, like with technology and stuff, we're not engaged in the present moment. And there's just so many distractions. Just remember not to be distracted. And I don't know if you had anything else to share. Yeah, I think, um, you know, shutting down is not stillness, you know, and having a drink is not consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are ways of turning ourselves off. You know, and I'm I'm all about tuning in. And so when you talk about life force, you talk about energy, and we're just talking about feeling good, like tune into yourself, you're gonna learn something through this process, you know, and I think um, as a recovering overthinker, like life in your heart feels better. You know, we we have to be in harmony with our head for sure, there's going to be thoughts that they're never going to end. But learn how to trust yourself to act in the moment and to be okay in the present. That's all I got, brother. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is our first episode with cameras. So we have our good friend Tim here um, who's willing to help us out with that and super excited about this uh, new start for Grab Lives. Uh, thank you for listening. And, um, yeah, that's it. Give us some stars, some ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and that's it. Thank you, everybody.